0: Good morning, church. Would y'all stand as we sing together?
1: Well, good morning, welcome to Shelby Christian Church. Hey, you guys that are joining us online, thanks for joining in this morning as well. We're glad you guys are here uh, today. I hope you are praying and thinking about and singing about a breakthrough coming uh, in your life. Uh, you know, I was thinking this week. I had a couple, actually three different conversations. Just a couple of them, just kind of even in passing. And and the the people said something to this effect. They said, "Jason, I'm just I'm just tired." <laughs> And I don't know if it was, some of it was maybe a physical tiredness for just a busy life, but I felt like a lot of it was just this soulful, spiritual weariness. And and it got me to thinking about a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus looks at the people gathered there and he says, Come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Come to me, all of you who have a heavy burden come to me, come to me, and I will give you rest. And so, I don't know, maybe this morning, that's what you need to hear. Maybe you just need to come to Jesus this morning and rest. Maybe you just need to pause and take a deep breath and be mindful of the fact that we worship a God who says, you lay it all on me. I'll take care of it all. My yoke is easy. You live a, a life that is restful and peaceful, not because of what this world throws at us, but because of who I am. And so this morning as we gather for our time of communion, I'm reminded that, that that's exactly the Savior that we celebrate and we think about and we pray to. So in the next few moments, as you guys come and get your communion, just be mindful that we worship a God who's taken care of it all. And when life throws these burdensome, heavy things at us, he says, you give it all to me. You place it at the foot of the cross. I've taken care of everything. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather in this place, to worship you, to right now as a family stop and to take communion, to be reminded of what you've already done. Even when we get distracted by this world and we get distracted by our lives and we just get tired and we have heavy burdens, we are reminded that you say, give all that to me. You give us rest. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the reminder of what that means for us, that sin has not defeated us, that you defeated sin. You defeated death on the cross, and you are alive today. And so as we take this cup, we are reminded of the blood that was shed on that cross, this little piece of bread that reminds us of a broken body that was given up for us. God, thank you for that. Thank you for loving us in that incredible way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Father God, we are so thankful for your faithfulness. God, we need you to be here right now. Because while we are thankful for your faithfulness, we are often guilty of the exact opposite not being faithful not being faithful in our worship and our surrender to you. God, unfortunately, sometimes not being faithful to the ones that you called us to love the most. So God, would your spirit not just hover around this room today, but would it land distinctly on each and every one of us? And God, I pray, especially for those that you need to speak to today. Would we be open for you to do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. Uh, thanks. Um, hey, like Jason said, if you're worshiping with us online today, we are so thankful for that. Uh, we're, we love seeing you guys on site, uh, but we're also thankful for our online family. If you're worshiping online, uh, please help us out. Take some time and just type into the comment bar where you're worshiping from, who all's with you, just so we can keep informed and in touch and pray for people. And, uh, and if you don't have that option on because you're watching it on a TV, TV somewhere, uh, you can text that information to uh, our prayer line at uh, 502-487-4527. We just want to know so we can, because folks that are here on site, we get to see you, we get to interact, but if you're online, we just kind of want to know, and so we can be praying for you, lifting you up, uh, and and all those things. Because today we're concluding our Marriage Crasher series. and And that song is so so perfect and yet so so difficult because today we got to dig in to one of maybe the greatest crasher of marriages and that is the crasher of unfaithfulness now there's all kinds of baggage that we have from the past there's unresolved conflict and selfishness and apathy but but nothing wrecks a marriage crashes a marriage <clears throat> so forcefully as unfaithfulness, now it might be it might be physical adultery. it might be an emotional affair. It might be pornography or another addiction, perhaps just uh, um, uncontrolled sexual fantasies, it might be a one-night stand. but listen very carefully, it might be something that has nothing to do with sex at all. It might be financial. It might be making decisions and doing things that put your spouse in a very precarious position, maybe even legally. There's all kinds of ways that we can be unfaithful to each other. But, but back when God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He said, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The two become one. And, and, and while there's a very obviously physical connotation to that, there's also, I feel very strongly, the emotional, the yes, we are in this to win this. We are in this together. And the two actually become one. Jesus, that's not just something Old Testament. Jesus quoted this in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 6. He said, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart. What God has joined together. Understand God's desire. There's so many things we need to understand about God's desire and and how it should lead us to live. That God desired us. God's ultimate desire, His original desire, was that we would live forever. All of us. That death was not part of His original design. That sin brought that into the world. That that was God's design and desire. And, And when it comes to this relationship between husband and wife, God intended that to be for a lifetime here's what I choose to believe I may be wrong but it's just the only way I can function I choose to believe that with every couple that ever stands before uh, a minister a, a minister a justice of the peace or whatever that when they stand there on their wedding day and they say I take you for better for worse for richer for poorer sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part that they really mean it i i choose to believe that on that day that they really mean it that they're not just going through the motions that they really mean it but but think about that last part till death do us part that's a serious serious commitment and because of that, this has been a difficult week for me. I have probably done more edits to what I wanted to say today than I have in a long time. Not because I didn't believe what I had typed or had shared, and Mark Jones and I that share stuff back and forth, and not because, but because I was trying my best to figure out how not to preach for an hour because there was so much that that I think needs to be said and so much of it that could easily be difficult because for any pastor any preacher we all know that in a room as big as our room or in a small room with just a few couples There are all kinds of different scenarios of people that are there and trying to figure exactly how to say what needs to be said and, and, and do it for, for everyone. Because what I knew was that today, that there would be some of you guys that are here today that are happily married. Especially this service. I know we got people at this service that happily married for decades, multiple decades. And things are going well and others that are fairly newlyweds and are still happily married. And so, so I wanted to begin, I wanted to begin just with a word to, to those of you that are happily married. Don't take that for granted. Guard that like nothing you've ever guarded before praise God for it don't take it for granted don't neglect the blessing it is but hold on to it and and guard it with everything you have there's others that are in our services today that are in the danger zone quite frankly your relationship is hanging on by a thread one or both of you are maybe teetering on the edge of infidelity And if that applies to you, I just want to come really hard today and remind you of the importance of honoring the vow till death do us part. Uh, I want to remind you of the devastating consequences of unfaithfulness. I want to do everything in my power to stop you for making the biggest mistake of your life. Others that are here today, it's already happened. We, we know that in all of our services, in this and other services and other churches, there are people worshiping today whose lives have been shattered by unfaithfulness. Your, your spouse, your spouse did things. You're, maybe you're the child of an unfaithful parent. I, I want to be really kind and gentle and, and help you to understand that God still loves you, that you're a valuable part of the body of Christ. You're not a second class Christian, you're not damaged goods. Please don't be bitter and cynical any more than is humanly possible, and don't let that wound from the past keep you from ever loving and trusting again because I know that that's where some of you are yet another group that we've got to speak to and not ignore is that we've got people here today who were the unfaithful one maybe nobody knows maybe everybody knows you can barely stand To look at yourself in the mirror at times. And you're trying to figure out if God could possibly still love you. I want to assure you that He does. With every ounce of love that is poured into anybody else, God still loves you. I know that that there are times when when the guilt of unfaithfulness hits that you just want to crawl in a hole and never come out. And, And I just want to talk to you a little today about forgiveness. Grace, second chances, about God's incredible mercy that he poured out on all of us. And I also know that it wouldn't surprise me a bit that there would be people here today that are in the midst of a full-blown affair even as we speak. You've got adultery scheduled on your daytime or in your calendar. You're glad, you're really glad this is the last Sunday that we're talking about marriage specifically because you've been leaving church or getting offline every week just squirming and uncomfortable and a twinge of guilt isn't enough though. It hasn't been enough to get you to change your course. And so I want to be honest and direct. And if that's you, I want you to listen very carefully. God is a God of grace. But he will not be mocked. And quit being so selfish. Because if you're sinning so that God's grace can abound in your life, stop. Stop it. I don't know how to preach all those messages and do so in 30 minutes. It's hard to be firm and compassionate and gentle and silly and mad all in the same sermon. But what I can say this morning that will challenge you is to be faithful, to be comforted if you're broken, and and to break the chains of stubbornness if that's where you're at. So let's go, all right? It's going to be a fun challenge. If you haven't already been praying for me, start right now, all right? I want us to go in the Old Testament. I want you to open your Bibles to the very last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking, you know, for the most part, when when a preacher says, open your Bibles to the book of Malachi, What's he fixing to preach on? He's fixing to preach on money. Because that seems to be, Malachi three ten seems to be the one verse out of Malachi that we always use publicly, you know, quit robbing God with your tithes and offerings. But I want you to open to Malachi chapter 2. To Malachi chapter 2, and Malachi is going to confront or is in the process, the whole letter is confronting the nation of Israel, which would be God followers, which therefore it would be just like confronting us. People had once been devoted to God, but they're slipping both morally and spiritually. And so that's kind of the, 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 the idea behind the entire book of, of Malachi. And in chapter two, starting in verse 14, here's what it says. Malachi says, and here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning, because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. And you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? People are, are bringing their gifts, and they're like, that doesn't seem to be working, and God doesn't seem to be taking these things. And then Malachi answers this question. He says, I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed... The vows that you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner. And that could be exchanged either he, she, either way, okay? The wife of your marriage vows... Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife or with your husband? In body and spirit, you are His. And does He want godly children from your union? So guard your heart. Underline that. If you're, if you're a highlighter or underliner there at the end of verse 15. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And then He's speaking for God. I hate divorce says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart, underline it again, and do not be unfaithful to your wife or to your husband. You apply that how you need to. See, Malachi says here that the husband and the wife are one that they're partners, they've entered into this marriage covenant, and then I like that phrase, and look, it's gonna be highlighted here, remain loyal to the wife or the husband of your youth. That is a command from God, but but I think it's important for us to see why was that command given from Malachi, from the Lord through Malachi. It was in response to the people questioning, why doesn't our life seem to be blessed? We're bringing our tithes and our offerings and we're laying them at the feet, but it doesn't seem like the Lord is blessing our efforts to do that. And, God is saying through Malachi, it's because you, you can pay all you want, but if you're not being faithful in your marriage, it's impossible to receive the full blessing from God. Because the marriage, the family, is God's smallest microcosm unit of the church. And we've got to be faithful to that so that in turn, because all the church really is, is a, just a combination of families. Now, some of the families are married families, some are singles, some are just you, kids that come, but they're people that are in families and God says, I want to bless all that, but you can't, you can't bring me all these bags of money and then do this other stuff and expect to be blessed. Now, I want to be really careful about this. I want you to go back and to the very beginning of verse 16. I want you to look very carefully what Malachi says and what Malachi does not say at the beginning of verse 16. Malachi does not say God hates divorced people. He says God hates divorce. Of course he does. He's the one that established marriage. And so it's painful. It's gut wrenching. It's life shattering. But in our world, especially today, like never before in the history of the world. And it's what's so amazing to me, the things that are going on. And yet Malachi wrote about this before Jesus ever came. Well, what it was doing and how, how families were being destroyed and God was not blessing because of that. But we convince ourselves, well, divorce is no big deal. It's the best thing. Let's just do it quickly and get it over with, quietly. And get over with it and move on and all that. But it's a serious thing to undo vows that were spoken in the presence of God. One of the things that I'm asking couples anymore, if they ask me to be a part of their, of their wedding, is why are you asking a preacher to do it? The answer should be because I'm inviting God into that relationship. If it's just, well, that's what people always do, get a preacher to do it. I'm like, well, get somebody else. Just as the peace could do it. If you want if you want me to do it, I know the rest of the guys make their do it, but if you want me to do it, I, I'm assuming you're inviting God into that relationship. So if that's the case, we're going to do this God's way. And that's the only way I know to to function in the book of Numbers early on. uh, Numbers chapter 30 verse 2 says, A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. How many of you guys remember before the day of written contracts? When you could shake somebody's hand and that was as good as signing it in triplicate. Your word was your word. And if you said you were going to do it, you were going to do it. And there were no such things as prenups. This is going to be for life. We're in this to win it. We're not, we're not getting out of this. God loves, listen to me very carefully. God loves. Ashley loves divorced people because he loves all people. But he hates divorce because of the shrapnel and the collateral damage that it leaves. Now, I get it. Sometimes it's unavoidable in matters of adultery, abandonment, abuse. Sometimes there's no other way. But even then, God hates the divorce. When people start to see divorce as a, as a simple matter of convenience or a way to move on from one spouse to the next, God, God hates that kind of flippant attitude about any part of our Christian life. Any part of our Christian life. Because God's called us to be faithful. And, and we, we love, we want, we long for his faithfulness. Right? We just sung about that right before. Thank you for your faithfulness. We want a God that is faithful. He wants followers that are faithful. And if a marriage is worth starting, it's worth saving. At least doing the very best you can. So before we finish, let me go ahead right now and give you the bottom line. Write this down hang on to this you will never ever look back and regret being faithful never never so let me go back to our groups and we'll be done let me give you some words of wisdom hopefully they're words of wisdom if you're married guard that relationship at all costs the whole story, a husband and wife are walking down a country road, having this kind of heated argument. You know, we most of us all have been there. And they walk by a mule that's tied to a tree, and the husband says, relative of yours? And she says, yeah, by marriage. You know, we joke about Roddy Dangerfield said, my wife and I sleep in separate rooms. We eat our meals apart. We take separate vacations. We're doing everything we can to keep our marriage together. That's not the way to do that. That's not exactly what we mean by guarding your relationship. But guard it at all costs. Now, I'm not naive. I realize that there are days that it seems like it would just be easier to get out. Especially if there's been a serious breakdown, something like unfaithfulness. You, you, You may feel like starting over. I can tell you... Almost 35 years into this thing, that Kim and I haven't always gotten everything right. And she'll be in next service and I'll have to say that in front of her. We haven't ever gotten, we haven't always gotten everything right. But probably the single best thing that we did early in August of 1986. Back before we had all these computers and everything, and we actually owned, you know, like real dictionaries. Y'all remember those that actually had pages in them? <laughs> we took every dictionary that we owned and we literally cut the word divorce out. We removed divorce from our vocabulary before we said, I do. And if you can still find I don't even know if we still, because we do it on our phones now, it's hard to remove it off your phone. But if you can find a dictionary that we own, you, you can't find the word divorce. We literally cut it out. Because we wanted to mentally remove that option from our mind. That no matter what happened, no matter how tough things got, no matter what financial crisis we went through, no matter what things we went through in raising a family, no matter what things we went through with each other, that divorce was not an option. Now, hear, hear this very well. Cutting that out did not eliminate bad days. Cutting those words out did not eliminate difficult walks down country roads. It didn't make it easier all the time and I realize that the grass may look greener on the other side of the fence But guess what? It still has to be mowed And if it looks really green, the only way to keep it green is to maintain it You got to work on it And if that lawn next door looks really nice, that means somebody's put the effort in to work on it And the same applies to your marriage Now it may take counseling It may require intense levels of accountability. It may take a period of of separation to honestly maneuver your way through some serious issues. But restoration is always the best goal in a damaged marriage. Now, I'm not saying it always works out that way because it doesn't, does it? No. I'm certainly not suggesting that divorces an unforgivable sin because it's not and I get really kind of red faced when people make it that way all of us have made decisions in our past that we wish we could go back and undo man there's so if I could relive 1978 and 1979 I would just take those two years and, and just redo the whole thing we we all make decisions in life that we wish we could undo but listen, if you're at a point right now where you're married, guarded at all costs, if you're contemplating divorce, I really want to encourage you to read Matthew 19 and 1 Corinthians 7 and honestly ask yourself what decision God would want you to make. Zig Ziglar's gone now, but he's uh, just a, a very well-known Christian writer, speaker, um, and he said, marriage is not a fence to hem you in. It's a guardrail to protect what's inside. So if you're married today, please do everything in your power to stay together. Swallow your pride. Stop cheating. Get counseling. Forgive and move on. Focus your energy on serving your mate and make every effort to keep the commitment you made in the sight of God. You, you, made, you made a promise. You made a promise. Keep it. Because you'll never look back and regret being faithful. But, but I, I'm telling you, and there's, there's others here that would give witness to that. If you choose a path of unfaithfulness, you're on a collision course. With heartache. With pain. Pain. Maybe you did all that you all those things, and it didn 't work, uh, but you can still know you did everything you possibly could and hear me very carefully: God still loves you now if if you 're here today you 're separated or you 're divorced, not currently back in a new relationship, or especially not not remarried, this is a pivotal, pivotal time. To make wise decisions about the future. Right now, a term that has caught on in the last two years, it's not a new word, but it's being used is that we all need to shift. We need to make a shift. And that's what, uh, you know, I, I'm on these Zoom calls with, with pastors around the country that, okay, this stuff of the pandemic, it's time to shift and do things a little bit different just to make sure that we get the desired result. This is a, this is a time to make wise decisions about the future, because I've known too many people who suffered a broken marriage and immediately jumped into a new relationship and what what that always tells me is that quite possibly not always but quite possibly they had jumped too quickly into the first relationship in fact it's the number one recovery destroyer for people who are trying to rebuild their broken lives because of some sort of addiction or some kind of problem that's gotten them into recovery is they get that under control and they hop right into a relationship and it's almost always disastrous if it's too soon now, remarriage may very well be the best thing that ever happened to you, because I know plenty, plenty of examples sitting right here. I know in, in every service we have, today, there'll be plenty of folks sitting in our services that are in a remarriage situation, a second marriage, and God is obviously blessing that, but I, I'm also confident they took the time to work through some things. Here's a good rule of thumb. There's no guarantees, but here's a good rule of thumb. If you've been divorced, it's a good idea to wait at least a year before you get into anything serious. You've got to have time to heal. That wound is open and gushing and gashing. And it needs time to get closed and to heal before you, need, before you get into something. You need time to sort out life, to get back on your feet emotionally and spiritually, sometimes financially. And remember one thing we said a few weeks ago early on in this series? It's really important that you're healthy alone before you try to be healthy in a relationship. And so we've got to work through those things. And, and, and if you're separated right now, I just want to, I just want to beg you that if, if you're still married but, but you're separated, move very slowly toward divorce. Give God plenty of room to help bring about reconciliation Because you never know what he might have in mind. And understand that God still loves both of you. Understand that. If you're here today and you've crossed the line, or or you're flirting with disaster, today's a day to change. This was amazing. We found this article this week that was written by a guy named ian kerner it was written in 2010 2010 11 years ago you think of technologically how much has changed in the last 11 years facebook was a relatively new thing in 2010 but the article he wrote was the blast from the past could facebook destroy your marriage Here's part of what he wrote. He said, people are connecting and reconnecting with family and friends like never before. Technology continues to give us more and quicker ways to stay in touch. And sometimes they're not good ways. He goes on to say, the problem is that we renew relationships from the past that would be better off left in the past. He he said, he summed it all up like this. He said, we all know how the old story goes. Boy meets girl, boy loses girl. (laughs) Been there, done that. How about this one, though? Boy meets girl, boy loses girl. Boy grows up and marries someone else. Boy then rekindles the friendship with a former flame on Facebook and ends up totally wrecking his marriage. It's happening more and more often because it's all too easy to let the past hijack the present. I think it's so true. But here, this is what just like, I, I read it and reread it and I was talking to Kim about it and I said, this was written in 2010 when all this stuff was kind of new. What do you think's going on today? Cause see, it takes a lot of work to keep a marriage thriving. You throw into that relationship a voice from the past and you let your emotions take over your brain and you can be headed for serious. Serious trouble. I don't know how appropriate or inappropriate it is, but in that in that social media world, yeah, I've stumbled on some old girlfriends over the years. And I'm thankful, you know what? In every case, I have immediately blocked that person. They can't see or show up on any of my social media. Because I wouldn't even let that get started. I don't even want to have that thought just like, oh wow. Block. Done. Done. See, here's the deal. If you need to hide it, don't do that. If you need to hide it, don't do it. Some of you may have seen that posted on Facebook recently by a very famous theologian that I happen to be married to. if you need to hide it don't do it because the bible tells us what's done in darkness will come to light if a husband or wife is looking for romance or attention anywhere else but at home there are any number of people who will gladly help them out who will turn their head who will lead them astray And if there's anything about another relationship that you're hiding from your mate, from your spouse, from the one that you pledged your life to, you could be headed for serious trouble. Now, I get it. I understand how it happens. It's so easy. You know, the woman thinks, well, he's so sensitive and compassionate and a good listener. And your husband isn't. I get it guys are thinking well she's fun and outgoing and attentive and your wife seems preoccupied all the time maybe because she's got four little kids running around i don't know life's passing you by i get it but listen very carefully you will never wake up and regret being faithful never never maybe you're thinking about uh, well i don't want a divorce but i just kind of want to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. In your mind, you're going to stay married, maybe maintain the facade, but have a little fun on the side. You can you can play that game for a while, but eventually it's going to crumble. You know, slip up, get caught, and then you're really in a mess. Your marriage becomes such a chore that that you undermine any hope of of salvaging a God-honoring home. At some point, there's going to be hell to pay. Listen, you will never regret being faithful. Let me finish this up. 34 years ago, almost, well, 35 years ago now, I met an amazing couple. Their names were Walter and Jesse Gilmore. They went to Kim's church. Miss Jesse was like a mentor to Kim. Her and Miss Pauline were ladies that at that time were already in their 90s. And they had taken my young, not even met me yet, but young soon to be bride under their wings. And these two 90-year-old ladies just loved on her and taught her. And then when Kim and I started dating, they just loved on us and taught us. And I remember that one day when, because they were in their 90s, they they didn't have long. Uh, And, but they were, they were such a cool couple. Because Walter, Walter just made me look like a dwarf. He was this mountain of a man, this absolute mountain of a man. And Miss Jesse was barely five feet tall. They had like seven kids that were all born shortly after depression in the 40s and 50s. And they would walk to church. And I never got to see this because the time I got there, the kids are all grown and adults themselves, obviously. But people would tell me stories of Mr. Walter leading the family in the back. Because Miss Jesse was the mama hen out in front. And the kids were staggered by ages. It was like stair steps. And they would walk the mile from their house to the church. And and the kids each following Miss Jessie to church. And Big Walter in the back making sure nobody got out of line. (laughs) And I remember one day when I was at their house visiting. And they gave me all this great marriage advice. I went to check on them. (laughs) I went to check on them. And for an hour... We sat in their living room in their old house and I listened to these giants tell me how to love this little girl that they had known all their life. Here's what I want. 50, I want this for every one of you. I hope and pray that that it can happen for me. But 50 years from now, I want some preacher somewhere to tell that story about you, about your family. If you're happily married, guard it well. Keep the grass mowed, maintain the yard. If you're married and you're struggling, fight for your marriage. If you're divorced, Understand, God loves you. Be wise moving forward. If you're in a new relationship, make it the best. Go back to A and start over again. If you're in an abusive relationship and you are in physical danger, listen very carefully to me. Get help. We will help you. Get help if you're not married but you find yourself in a very non-biblical relationship that in no way honors God either fix that or get out there's no middle ground there's no middle ground because you will never look back and regret being faithful I know very well the five greatest days of my life. Finishing fourth and fifth consecutive, or tied for fourth and fifth on the list or November the 2nd, 1988, and May the 12th, 1991. Those are the days that I became a faithful father. Finishing second and third on the list or February 26th. And August 16th, 1986, the day that I asked Kim to marry me and the day she said, I do. And I became a faithful husband because you'll never look back and regret being faithful. But I got to be completely honest with you. The greatest day in my life was September the 10th, 1970 the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and became a faithful follower of Him because if I had not done that, I would have not been able to do the other things. And so I got to tell you, we got to get this relationship thing right. And the only way we can get it right is if Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. Would you guys stand with me? Remember, remember, you will never look back and regret being faithful. And if you need to be faithful to Jesus today, Jason's down here, Tiff's down here, Bradley, we got elders in here, uh, we got people love to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus really looks like. And if you got that part, then let's just pray for our marriages, okay? Let's make some commitments right now while we sing together.
0: Promise to stand. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still
2: See for just like two minutes, real quick. Uh, first of all. If you're first time uh this is your first time worship with us, we're thrilled that you're here today as we finish up this series. Uh starting next week we're going to do a little mini thing that's going to be Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter weekend. Uh and just talking about creating a holy roar uh before God. So we're excited about that tonight. We're going to have a night of worship that's going to be really special 6:30 here in this room. Uh we're going to be ordaining uh, three of our staff members here, uh Bradley Sauter and Tiffany uh, uh, and Ethan, uh, and they're all three in service right now. Uh, and we're also going to be ordaining Luke Dove, uh, who is leaving Friday along with all of our student ministry team headed to Guatemala uh, for a week of uh, ministry during spring break, except Luke's not coming home. Uh, at least not at that time. Uh, he's staying and we've been praying about this. And so I want Luke to come up here. Uh, some of you may not be able to make it back tonight. So I wanted you guys to see Luke uh, one more time because they actually leave on Friday. Uh, Luke's going to be out at his table out in the lobby. If you want to go out there as soon as service over uh, and love on Luke a little bit and let him uh, know you're praying for him and sign up for the newsletter that he'll be sending out, uh, you can do that. And also today as you leave the buckets, we haven't done a bucket fun thing in a while the buckets today are all going to Luke and Luke, why don't you tell them uh, what that's going to be and anything else you want to say, what the bucket funds are for.
3: Um, yeah. So the bucket funds today um, are going to go support our ministry. I um, shared about it a couple months ago, but it's a community center in the slums um, that supports 200 kids that just come from uh, vulnerable and broken homes. Um, and we have an opportunity with these funds to hopefully purchase uh, 10 laptops uh, we have kids that are coming in that have no way to do online school. they've already missed a year of school um, and we're trying to get them in and we have this opportunity to allow them to come to our center all day every day and just continue to learn and that'll um, you know help them grow and be able to get jobs and support their families and all that stuff but just um, so yeah if you consider uh, giving to that to support um, these kids which we we feed in school and all those kind of things because uh, we believe that each of these children is made in the image of God um, and that's something that's just really important to us so Um, If you consider that, I'd really appreciate it. Um, The second thing I just want to say is just thank you guys. Um, Thank you all so much. Uh, A few months ago, I sat up here with Jason and uh, tried to share my heart for uh, the children of Guatemala and this this journey that God has led me on. Um, And that was hard, right? I I don't like being vulnerable. (laughs) But it was was hard, but I just shared. And I just uh, prayed that you guys would step up and that God would uh, lead people and move people um, to support me financially in a way that I can go do what God has called me to do. Uh, and I just want to stand here today and say thank you guys um, thank you all for stepping up for supporting me I'm hundred percent funded um, and I just really honestly never thought that was possible so I just want to say thank you man it, it just uh, um, I'm so moved that my home congregation um, and my church believes in me and believes in the ministry um, so, yeah. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Um, yeah, we'll leaving Friday. It's an awesome opportunity, and, and I want you all to come visit. <laughs> um, but but hopefully we'll be able to get videos and stuff back to you guys. And uh, I'll be outside at the table there. If you want to get on my newsletter and get more information, that's the best way to stay in touch. But um, But, yeah, just truly thank you all.
2: <laughs> all right. All right. Here, let me say one thing really quickly, and Luke, you can go ahead and run out there, but know we're going to pray for you as you're running out there, because I want you to be at your table before everybody else, alright? Last thing I want to say to you guys is remember, uh, in a couple weeks, it's Easter, and there's a lot of stuff. We got all these extra services. Uh, we need volunteers. There's some sign-up stuff back there, uh, at the table in the back. You can sign up, or you can go to easter at scc.org, and there's the uh, sign-up possibilities on there a reminder of all the service times. And we still got plenty of these bumper stickers. Please, please, starting today, get these on your vehicles because I promise you they come off. They come right off when it's over. It's not going to tear up your car. But it's just a great way as you're driving through town for people to see things uh, and uh, be motivated to go here and check out what's going on at Easter, okay? Uh, and we'll do that. Let's say a prayer right now for Luke, could we? Uh, God, I just thank you for... Um, a young man that was born and raised here, uh, that was born and raised to love Jesus with everything in him, and that came to a point on a student ministry trip with our church that he fell in love with children in Guatemala and spent the next several years of his life learning Spanish, being trained in mission work, and is now ready to launch And so, God, we are excited about what's going to happen. We pray your blessings on our entire student team as they go. Uh, And especially we pray continued blessings each and every day on Luke as he changes the lives of some little young people that most of us will never get to see until we get to heaven. And that makes it worth it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, go see Luke. Let's go change the world. See you next Sunday.